Yes. You know what? Can, I'm just gonna um, grab myself a glass of wine. <laughs> Girl, you go for it. I have, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that as well. Let's go get a glass of wine. Let's do it. I have red, um, red or white. I have red. I'm gonna get some red. I'm a red I, a, I prepared and I sat down and I had a glass of water beside me, but now I'm feeling like wine is smooth. Let me. I'm I'm gonna take off my headphones and I'm gonna get my wine as well. Okay. All right. I'm here. Cheers, girl. Cheers, electronic oh. cheers. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's hitting me in the right spot. <laughs> so good. Mm-mm. All right. I hope I don't get any British for this podcast session. If I begin to slow my words. <laughs> Why don't you pour it to your glass? <laughs> if, if you hear me become, if you hear my words becoming slower, just know that it's coming from a good place. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Marcibel, and this is the Marcibel Podcast. people welcome to the marcible podcast a podcast about culture cultural nomads designed for blacks and asians and those who love them i'm your host marcible nigerian born u.s educated korean speaking struggling intellectual today i'm doing the podcast in a different kind of way i'm actually having wine with my guest we're doing it from i'm here in oklahoma city and she's far away there in boston but cheers to the weekend it's not even the weekend yet um (laughs) so my next guest her name is dr Bangbade, Benita Bangbade, and I met her in grad school. She's a pharmacist as well, and we're in grad school together. And a little bit about her is that she's extra like me, you know. Um, <laughs> when I work with her, <laughs> when I work with her, I would come up with like very extra, you know, lofty ideas. You know, I don't feel bad because there's always somebody like me that thinks that way. So working with her has always been a pleasure because we always think about ways to like go the extra mile. And um, she's very passionate about um, health outcomes research. I'm going to talk about her research as well. Well, she's Nigerian American, and um, yeah, currently she's living in Boston, where she's an assistant professor at the Northeastern University. Correct, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. So everyone, join me in welcoming Dr. Bangbade, or like I'll go ahead and keep calling her Benita because that's her first name. Hello, Benita. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm pretending that I hear like applause in the background because everybody's welcoming me. Applause. Thank you. Thank you. Everything in it, everything in the air, like extra stuff, like would normally do it. And thanks for the wine idea. I should probably do more my, my my podcast, just sipping wine. It kind of loosens your tension a little bit. Right. I'm just. I'm so happy. We're cheers to this podcast. Cheers. Come here. Cheers. 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 So, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for um, accepting the invitation. I'm mean, very very excited to, you know, just talk about you and your story and you know things that you're passionate about so thank you so much it's really really a pleasure to have you today oh thank you for inviting me i just want to take like, a little caveat and just say how proud i am of you and this podcast oh, and you know extra people to step outside of our pharmacy bubble so this is really awesome and i'm happy to be a part of it thank you so much thank you so much i mean thank you guys for supporting me like it means a lot because initially i was like i was very apprehensive like what am i doing like i'm supposed to be on a tenure track like busting my butt off but this has been you know it's been a it's been quite an adventure actually and and you know i'm excited and thank you so much for the encouragement it really means a lot to me now girl you're doing it you're like i told you before offline like you're this is inspirational (laughs) because we can't be our jobs like we have to have things outside of that like our jobs and tenure track and all that stuff is not life It can't be it's like. Not. It it's, not. it's not. It's not. I mean, one year into the job, I thought to myself, I need to do something more. 
because there's a way there's a convenience it gives you to just keep doing that but you yeah. know you know you're built for extra you know you know because every day you're like eh i gotta do something i gotta do something so this is my something special um so benita tell us more about you so i definitely know you're nigerian yeah you're about you grew up in houston but can you tell us about your journey as well like were you born in the u.s or you grew up in nigeria and you moved here okay my journey <laughs> so <laughs> i i <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's the wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's my journey. That's such a deep question. Okay, okay. Yeah, tell, yeah, yeah. So tell you about myself. Like, yeah, yeah, more about yourself. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you said everything. Okay. So, as you said, I was born and raised in Houston, um, mm-hmm. on the southwest side of Houston, A Leaf, Texas, to be precise. Um, but, I mean, Houston is like, little Nigeria. <laughs> so even though like I grew up here, I'm Nigerian American, I felt like I was definitely exposed a lot to like Nigerian culture and being yeah. a part of like a Nigerian community that's within Houston in the United States. So um, growing up being Nigerian was a big part of my identity. Like I make jokes and, and even I would say for like my brother and my sisters as well, because we make jokes like being Nigerian now is like super cool. Like, oh yeah, culture, we do this. We're so, I remember when I was in elementary school and people legit used to make fun of me. Like it was not cool growing up from like, really? yes, that's why it's so crazy. Like from elementary school to like, um, Maybe like the beginning of high school. Being African was not cool. Now everybody's talking about Wakanda forever. Like, no, you used to make fun of me. Don't say Wakanda forever. That's not for you. Who were these people? What kind of people were they? Were they like um, Caucasians or African Americans or were they just all kinds of people? I, okay. So in the community that I grew up in, when we first moved there, it was predominantly white and there were a few black people. So I, I in my memory, I, the people who I keep thinking of that flashed in my mind were, they were black, they were African-American that was like, were extra about being African. Because when I started school, I learned English from my parents. So I would speak English with a Nigerian accent. So <laughs> it was as if like, I grew up in Nigeria or something. Like I had an accent and I would say yeah. different words. Cause you know, Nigerian English with the different types of words that we use and adjectives like trousers and stuff like that like Americans don't say those kind of things so yeah being Nigerian was not cool so now everybody's Wakanda forever I'm like no like this is not for you go sit down or apologize one of the two yeah yeah um wow. I didn't yeah. know that I didn't know that what kind of impact do you think it had on you mm-hmm. you've come along with from that because I, I wouldn't have even guessed you went through that kind of thing because you're you're so proudly both you're, you're African and you're also you know American you mm-hmm. have a way of just blending those two entities but I would never have guessed you went through that experience yeah I mean I think that for me personally I was just and I think this is just general about my childhood. I was aloof. Like I, and I say this, I think even about myself today, like I just, I just do me like I'm who I am. And yeah. if it's not cool or if you don't like it, like, Oh, well, that's just what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm just going to be me. And if I like it, I'm comfortable. Then that's just what it is. And I feel like I've been like that since my childhood. And so yeah. people make fun of me, but I was just like, you know, you, you feel it, you feel sad, but you're just like, Oh, I mean, okay. And now look, well, kind of forever. Um, but yeah. I think, other kids that like other African kids that would grow up, they would like do things like change their name. Like instead of don't call me Tayo, my name is T or my name is Timmy or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And they yeah. would hide that stuff. Cause I remember even growing up like in intermediate school, which is kind of like middle school. Um, I would find out like, so I would, like, see somebody at a Nigerian party and be like, wait, you're Nigerian. <laughs> like, Whoa. like what? Like mind blown. Like what, what is going on? So like, yeah, different kids handle things differently. Yeah. But I would say, 
um, I don't know. I just kept doing me. I didn't let it affect me. I didn't try to, I never tried to hide it. I mean, how can I hide it with my last name? Like other people that might have like English names. Like I had friends growing up that had a lot, they're Nigerian, both mom and dad, yeah. but the last name is Johnson. Like you can, you can pretend with that. Your first name is yeah. the English last name is Johnson. There's no, yeah. you can hide that or whatever. But for me, like there's no way. And, and there's no way to hide that one. Um, but it's not like I wanted to hide it. Like I, and I think part of that came from my parents as well. Like you just, people, if people don't like you, oh, well, they'll be, all, you'll be all right. And they'll be all right too. So was that. Thanks for sharing that. So what would you say it means to you to be African and also American? Um, I think it means to be the best of both worlds. Um, and I love it because I love being Nigerian. Like I thank God that I'm Nigerian and the culture and having that background and my family and everything. Like I love that. But then I also have this American side, I think, and there are, you know, positive things and negative things with both sides. And so being, having that a ground foundation in both sides is great because you can take the positive sides of both sides and put it together. But then I would say like the negative side of that is that you are not like fully grounded in both, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, I'm Nigerian and I, I feel connected to Nigerian culture, but nobody try to speak your about to me because I won't answer in your, but I'll understand what you're saying, but I won't speak it. But you know what I mean? So I don't have yeah. that. Um, but then I don't know. I don't know. If I'm So that is a negative. I don't, I can't, I was trying to think of an example for the American side and I can't think of one. So you've, I mean, you finished grad school shortly after I, I did. And now you're currently working as a assistant professor in the college of pharmacy. I've said congratulations before. I'll say that oh. again. Congratulations. Thank and you. you're actually coming up on your first year in July, right? In September. I still got a little, September. a little, uh, almost here, almost here. So, I mean, I want to say, tell me. I mean, it's, it's still it's still a bit away, but so far, how's it been for you? Um, it's been good. Um, in graduate school, like they would always warn us that being a professor is like graduate school on crack, and <laughs> it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the pressure—I don't know—you can speak to this too, but I feel like the pressure is more on now. Like this tenure clock is tenure clock is just like has its foot on my neck. Like, <laughs> I, there was pressure in graduate school, but I feel like the pressure is so much more and so much, it's different when you're yeah. working because, like, you're, this is you. This is your responsibility. This is what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have anyone kind of leading you. Like, doing stuff for you. Yep. Or yep. checking over everything or checking to make sure you're on the right track. I mean, you have mentors and stuff like that, but... But it's you still. You have to do it. Yeah. So that's a little scary. Um, but I, I, so I had, um, lunch earlier today with the mentor and I was telling her about, like, she's like, oh, you're coming. She said the same thing coming up on one year. Like, um, and I was talking about some of the stuff that I was working on. She was like, that's really good for your first year. And I was like, really? I feel like I haven't done anything. I feel like I'm 10 steps behind. And she was like, you're always going to feel that. Because we're extra, because we're extra as well. You and I are extra. And you know what? I've always, we've always talked about this during our own meetings as well. That there's that feeling that you feel like you're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Because we always just want to push ourselves, you know, a lot and a lot. But knowing yeah. you and knowing me, I think we're doing the best that we can. I finally got to accept it after like one year on the job. Like, you know what? I think I'm, it's not that bad. Because when you go through your, I don't know if you guys do these goals, like yearly goals, where you have to write all your goals for the next year. Mm-hmm. We do. Girl, like you have no idea just how much more you can do with those stuff. Like for me, it felt good putting those goals down because I wasn't even thinking about them. Like I had them at the back of my mind, but when it came for my yearly review, I was like, huh. Oh my goodness, it wasn't that bad. That was a very exceptional year. But it didn't seem that way. It felt like I was just, you know, behind a lot of stuff. 
You know, really? like you said, you don't have that safety blanket anymore. You're not like, you're working on your time right now. You're not like a student that has an advisor. You are now, yeah. you know, you're the boss, you're everything. Yeah, and, you know, time management, I don't have an RA yet, so I'm doing all of that by myself between meetings and committees and teaching and, and you know, the research stuff. There's no time. But you really are doing a lot more than you can give yourself credit for, seriously. Well, yeah. My mentor was like, you're always going to feel like that. Just know that you are doing a lot and you're doing enough. And I'm like, okay. But, um, yeah, you always feel behind, but kind of have yeah. to you have to take time to acknowledge your accomplishments and what you have done while yeah. still looking forward. I don't yeah. think I'm not good at that, um, but I, I should get goals. back. Yeah, go back yeah. to those goals you wrote down and just see just see how far you've come from those goals. Yeah, yeah. So um, along that line of you know work and all that, I know one of the things you're very passionate about, which was your your dissertation, and also currently your line of your your current current line of research is mental health. You know, yes. especially among blacks. And I know you recently won an award at the American um, Pharmacists Association. Girl, two years in a row. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they need to they need to start like a Benita Award. Like, you know, I if, not if, if you've had two, the Benita Award, if you've had two of these awards in a year, it's called a Benita. Did you just pull a Benita? Oh, yeah, she did pull a Benita. <laughs> oh, whatever. Girl. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats, girl. So tell us more about, you know, I know a lot of people listening here, um, they might want to hear more. So maybe we should just the other way dilute the language a little bit but yeah. if you could if you could like from your research and things you've known from the community because this is your research this is something you've you know extensively worked on what are some of the things you found that you know my listeners can uh, can benefit from as far as mental health is concerned so um for our research we looked at depression help seeking among african-american college students so we wanted to see what um, influenced their decisions to seek help and whether our particular intervention um, would influence their willingness to seek help. So our intervention, we looked at, <clears throat> excuse me, we looked at, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, let me take a sip of wine. <laughs> Should it be having more wine or water? <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. More wine, more wine. <laughs> okay, so the intervention, we um, our simple is African-American college students, and we wanted to look at their willingness to seek help, and we wanted to see if our intervention would improve their willingness to seek help. So our inter intervention, we talked about, we took like a community approach, so it was a group of like 70 students, um, and we set ground rules, and we said it's an open space, and we're here to talk freely, and what we say here doesn't leave the room. So we kind of created that safe space, safe atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about depression and mm -hmm. the prevalence in the U.S. We talked about the prevalence in African-Americans and how we don't know if it's more prevalent in African-Americans or less prevalent. And there are other issues around that, but we didn't talk about that. Um, and then we, uh, what we did, what specifically we highlighted were um, help-seeking rates between African-Americans and whites. And the fact that a significantly higher proportion of African-Americans living with depression in the United States don't seek help when compared to whites. So, and, and this is even worse among African-American young adults. So among those living with mental illness in the U.S., 81% of African-American young adults do not seek help. Um, 81%. 81% of African-American young adults. That's a substantially high number. Super high. So that was the reason why we targeted the intervention towards this particular group of students or a group of people. Um, and so the literature says that help seeking among African-Americans is influenced by a lot of things, influenced by access, it's influenced by cultural things like stigma, um, attitudes of self-reliance, religiosity, all of these different things that impact help seeking. So what we did with our intervention is that we talked about those things and we tried to address these issues and 
um, kind of just like normalize the conversation about mental illness mm-hmm. um, in this in this group of, group of students. And everyone was really interested and perceptive about it. And they said these these are things that we just don't talk about. And we also had um, a consumer educator from the National Alliance of Mental Illness come and speak about his personal lived experiences with schizophrenia and depression. And he was a college student. So he's, you know, very relatable and students asked him questions. And what um, I think was really impactful from him is he talked about how he approached his family and how he was very worried that his family wouldn't understand or be receptive or, or um, um, supportive because he came okay, from, a, yeah. yeah, he came from a very religious family. And yeah. so told his story about how he was fearful about this and then how eventually when he did disclose his um, diagnosis, diagnosis with this, yeah. how supportive and um, helpful and open his family was and how shocking that was to him. So I think that was wow. really for students because um, one of the findings from our research is that students worry a lot about their families. Yeah. Um, not, not only in that Oh, what will my family think? Or they don't, my family doesn't believe in mental illness. What are they going to, what are they going to say about me? Everybody's going to be my business. But even just from the perspective of some of these students where are first generation college students or, or trying to be examples for their siblings and things like that. And so even just them thinking like, I don't want to worry my parents who are doing things, or I don't want to worry my family. I'm supposed to be the good one. Or even Mm -hmm. students who come from a family of with achievements and thinking like, I don't want to be the one that goes to UT and I'm over here with depression and everybody else has successfully gone through everything and they're successful right now. And I'm over here struggling. So there are a lot of different factors. And I think these things might apply to other cultural groups, but I feel like they uniquely impact African-Americans and being like, feeling like you have, what is, uh, not to quote scandal, but I'm about to quote scandal. When, (laughs) when Olivia's dad is like, um, oh, I'm going to mess it up now. But I'll summarize it because it's not exact. But when he's like, you have to be twice as good to get twice half. Twice as good. Yeah, yeah. To get half. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he said that. But I mean, I really think that we African-Americans in the United States really internalize that. And be- because of this history of slavery and oppression that, you know, so that adds a whole different layer to this willingness to seek help, admitting that I have depression, like this is going to set me back. I, I have to be twice as good to get half of what they have. And me admitting that I have depression is going to set me back. So yeah, there are a lot of issues that impact it, but, um, and so, and we talked about all of these issues. Another thing that was really interesting about the intervention um, was pe- folks um, had very negative attitudes about medications. And we know that, we know that black yeah. people are taking medication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what was fun for me was to kind of just talk about that. And the specific negative attitude that they have about psychotropic medications are that these medications are addictive. Like, I don't want to take antidepressants. I'm going to be addi- I'm going to be addicted to them. I'm going to take them forever. And so talking through that was fun. So what I did was um, that came up during our discussion. And when someone said that, I was like, all right, well, I have asthma, which I actually do. <laughs> and I take an inhaler every day. To make sure that my asthma is controlled. Do you mm-hmm. think I'm addicted to an inhaler? And everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't, you're not addicted to it. Um, and so we kind of like talk through it, talk through that example and talk through. So then why do we say someone is addicted to an antidepressant? And talking about even just talking about therapy that people, some people are on antidepressants for long amounts of time, but others mm-hmm. don't stay on antidepressants for long amounts of time. Um but yeah, so that that part was was fun for me, especially like coming from a pharmacy background and talking about medications and our perceptions of medications and stuff. Yeah, so that was my I might have said too much, but that was my intervention. 
no, that, that's beautiful. Now, in summary, for those that might be listening and, you know, because I, I want to go back to what you said about that gentleman in your study that was a little bit apprehensive about telling his family member about, you know, his, his um, diagnosis and all that. For those that are in college right now that might be going through depression or one form of, uh, another form of mental illness or the other, what kind of um, advice do you have for them as far as seeking help? I would say to seek help. Um, whatever is preventing the, the whatever is preventing you from seeking help, whether that be um, the stigma of it, what other people will think, what your family will think. Know at the end of the day that, especially, and I learned I knew this and I learned this especially from that young man that came and spoke to us. The people that you're worried about, that will your family, your friends, they care about you. And so, if you are living with depression and you are not being your best self and you're um not happy yeah no one no one who actually loves you and cares about you wants you to be not well we want you to be at your best you we want you to be your best self we want you to be a one and so if you're worried about what these people will think know that they will support you the people who love you will support you um, and I would just say get help and because it can get better, but it can only get better if you get help. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Bangbane. Oh, Benita. <laughs> now, now is a good time to go to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast. And the question Benita has chosen is this. Make a rap about your day. Girls, the stage is <laughs> I yours. Go for it. I shouldn't have done this. Should I do the beatbox for you? <laughs> Let me know. Uh-huh. What kind of tempo do you want? Oh, <laughs> no. Hype, girl. Oh, no. You got this, okay. girl. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> okay. I hope no one from um, my hometown is listening because... <laughs> it's like people used to do this when we were in between classes they would like freestyle and stuff so I should actually yeah. know how to do it but I don't because I was a nerd okay man man is, are you gonna give me a beat <laughs> oh yeah tell me okay go ahead go ahead give me my beat drop that beat is that the- <laughs> <laughs> what? what kind of beat is that <laughs> sorry I'm sorry I'm good at many things but rapping my thing I can't do the beat that's not a rap beat. Okay, I'm gonna do it without a beat. I'm gonna do it okay. without a beat. I'm gonna do it without a beat. Okay. <laughs> Man is going down. Man is so real. Benita's on the mic. I don't have a grill. <laughs> I, go. I I went to work today. Man, I come to slay like Beyonce because I'm Ben Beyonce. That's all I got. That was good. I was wondering when Beyonce was going to come in there because I didn't know how you love her, girl. Shut up. You were really waiting for Beyonce to come in. <laughs> of course. It had to be there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we take a moment to pause and talk about how she slayed Coachella or Beachella? Like, she just was everything. And I'm surprised you didn't do like a one way ticket to go see her. I, you know what? I am such a bad, I've been such a bad fan. I didn't even know they were streaming her performance. Like, I was asleep in the bed, and I woke up in the morning like, oh my gosh, like, I don't watch there's so many videos of Beyonce right now. Wow. wow. I was that's actually, you. I was you late. Like, I'm sure, knowing you, you have had, like, a streaming party at your place. You know, I know, right? Over and then done all of that. 
I I was not together. I blame work. But it was really late when she came on. It was like like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could be an excuse. <laughs> that is she like knows, she knows. She knows that deep down, this girl is my fan. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, I was I, I was late for church on Sunday because I was watching Beyonce videos. <laughs> God forgive me. <laughs> I was in bed watching all the videos that everyone posted. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But um, <laughs> so um, that was the end of the of the Mardi Gras section. And by the way, girl, you're the first person ever on the podcast that has taken that first question because people like avoided. <laughs> Kudos to you. Kudos to you for like breaking that jinx of you know wrapping up all your day. I gotta be extra for my friend, my extra friend. Exactly, exactly. exactly. See, that's why I like you. So, um, <laughs> so you moved from Houston to Boston. That's actually a cultural shift, you know. <laughs> Tell me about it. How's it been? How's it been? Because I used to live in, you know, I love Boston, right? I lived there for a summer in 2014. I really miss that place. But it's so different for me when I lived there because I knew I was gonna go back to Texas. But for you, it's more like a long-term commitment. So how's it been, you know, being that H-Town girl now moving to Boston? Are you adjusting well? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? H-Town girl like Beyonce, might I add. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Moving here, it has been a cultural shock. And you're talking to someone who was born and raised in Houston, moved to Austin, lived in Dallas. So, like, I've spent my entire life in Texas. Of course, I've traveled other places, but talking about living, I've lived in Texas. So I'm used to all of my Texas creature comforts. I'm used to lots of space. I'm used to driving places. I'm used to H-E-B. I miss H-E-B. I'm my whole heart. I miss H-E-B with my whole heart. I miss yeah, H-E-B fresh salsa. I miss H-E-B fresh guacamole. I miss H-E-B's bakery. I miss what? I miss H-E-B. You miss, you miss H-E-B. Yeah. I, I just miss driving into H-E-B. I miss the smell of H-E-B. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no lie. Um, one of our, Sam Kett, our, one of our friends from graduate school is coming to Boston for a conference and he texted me this morning and was like, do you need me to bring you anything from H-E-B? Oh, what a good friend. Oh, he's the best. I was like, can you bring me some pita crackers, please? Everything else I want is perishable, so just bring me some pita crackers and I'll be happy. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Oh my God. And everyone listening knows that Texas is like a different country. Like, there's no way you can even explain Texas. I mean, if you've lived in Texas before ever, you never, you really don't want to move anywhere else. Facts, straight facts. Yeah, I mean, I think that what do I miss? I'm obviously I miss H E B. I miss um, food. Like Boston has nice food, but it's just super different, um, and different in a positive way as well. Because there's a lot. I feel like. Um, Boston has, I'm comparing it directly to Austin because I spent most of my adult life in Austin. I think Boston has more um, culture, like different cultures and different types of food. That makes Boston mm-hmm. exciting. But then at the same time, I miss Whataburger. <laughs> I miss, oh yeah. You know, I miss, I miss those things. And I miss having, I don't know, I guess I have a, maybe not the best relationship with food, but certain foods I eat when I feel a certain way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so I don't have those things or like just things that I'm used to. Like, oh, I, I feel like um, Mediterranean food. I'm going to go to Halal Bros down the street. Like, I don't have that anymore. So it's, and you're Jamaican jerky, but they have a lot of Jamaican stuff there. You know that, right? Yeah, they do. So 
the the positive things about that is like yeah there there's more culture here it's more diverse here so i i've enjoyed that but you know texas is just home so it's just about making boston home and finding new things for my replacement things yeah, um, yeah. but it hasn't been that bad and of course i was like super worried about the winter and you weren't here for the winter girl no <laughs> girl no <laughs> So when I say, like, I, I love, I miss Boston, I always put, like, an asterisk there. Only in the summer, of uh, late spring. Right, I right. With, oh, my gosh, cold winter, no. And you guys have one of the worst winters, right? The, not this, this year, everyone has been telling me that the winter has been pretty mild. I mean, we've had a bunch mm. of snow days, but everyone's like, no, aside from those, it's been pretty mild. Like, what? Um, it's been mild to them, but it's been cold for me. <laughs> like, yeah, girl. Yeah, people make that. <laughs> around with my puffer jacket, like, all the time. They're like, and one of my other friends, we were out, um, at for lunch, and he was like, you always have boots on. And I'm like, it's cold outside. What else am I supposed to have? Uh, and, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that it would be warmer by now, but it's still pretty, <laughs> it's still pretty cold and windy. But hopefully May is the month where things start to look like and feel like spring yeah yeah that's the best time and they have a lot of i mean if you ever have time like harvard square kendall square sometimes they have a lot of free shows actually i mean i love how accessible boston is really you know there's so many things because there's so many colleges around there free plays and just walking around in the evenings those are things i really miss and of course the food there's so much you know diversity yeah you have in austin you know, if you feel like Jamaican today and then Korean the very next moment, go for it, girl. But yeah. I would say I do miss my car. I miss having, like, the convenience of my... I mean, there's Uber and stuff, but I miss, yeah. like, being able to go somewhere and go back or come and go as I please. Like, I miss that. I drive to work every day now. I don't like that. I should. I really shouldn't be driving every day. I really? should be getting on the bus. I when I was in grad yeah, I, don't like I drove every day, so I guess I can't really... Because that's not a big deal to me. I, can, I don't like driving because it gets in the way, but I have to like listen to like podcasts and audiobooks now to make it fun, you know. But I don't like driving. I really miss sitting in a bus because I used to read a lot. I read on my Kindle. Even when I was in Boston, I, I was like, I love getting on the train a lot. It was, I mean, not having to drive anywhere was really good. The only time I hated it was when I had to go grocery shopping. Yes! And then, <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't like that. Because I, I like to buy everything I, I need at once. Did you get a grant? People get cars here. I didn't get that because I didn't want to. Oh, well, the room we had to be subleased that apartment, and they had one. But I felt it felt weird having to like roll that on the street. I but do apparently everybody care. does that here. I do not oh, care. And people make like my coworkers made fun of me talking about you have a granny car. I was like, I sure do. And I roll my. <laughs> it's real convenient for me. I do not care. I am not for this carrying all your. And I haven't. Uh, also, I haven't adapted my mind to the Boston lifestyle of like. Yeah. Um, shopping a little bit at a time. Like I still shop. Like I'm in Texas. I shop for like. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Buy the whole thing. Like buy like right? shop for like a whole month. Yeah. Because you know things that they sell here, they sell it in smaller packages. I'm like this all. Like where are the bigger ones? Like <laughs> I'm not trying. To everything is big in Texas, and it's a lot more expensive. Groceries are more expensive there. Yeah. And I don't find them necessarily fresh. Yeah. There, it's not H E B. Nowhere is like H E B. It's not HEB. Was it on Shop Shoprite? What's the name of the store? There's a big star, star, star market. Star, uh, star market. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminded me of Randall's, but then it was still very pricey, like very pricey. Everything's you know. pricey up here. 
Um, but anyways, uh, I'm sure eventually you, at the point you kind of get used to it. You, of course, you'll always miss Texas, but maybe you, you have you been able to make like build a community of friends and people and things like that. Oh, I think that's what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, little by little, I have, um, which is good because that was another thing. Like making friends in adulthood. Well, I don't know. I you are like yeah. Bubble. No, no, girl, no, no, girl, no, no, no. It's don't hard. Me, you're no, not seriously, it's hard. <laughs> Seriously, it's hard. No, seriously, it's hard. But go ahead. I'm telling you, it's hard. You're like, don't say that. It's hard. And you make friends with everybody. Like, whatever. But for people like me, making friends in adulthood is hard. Like, it's easier when you're in college or you're in grad school. Like, you have like the shared thing or whatever. You see each other early. But um, adulting friendships are hard. Um, But so, but it's been good. So I moved here to Boston. Um, not knowing anyone like completely, so that was exciting and terrifying at the same time. Because I thought I was gonna hit a point where I was like a couple months in and be like, I'm so lonely. (laughs) But that didn't happen. I'm so happy. I thank God that that did not happen. Um, But I think also it was part of me like forcing. I'm I'm not a homebody. I like to go out and stuff. But I force yeah. myself to go out more than I normally do and go to stuff more than I normally do. And, like, go to stuff alone. That was another thing. Like, I don't do that. Somewhere not know a single soul and try to meet people, like, how awkward. Um, the first time I did that, I was texting my sister the whole time. And she was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to text you anymore. Go talk to somebody in real life. <laughs> like, oh, no. I feel you on that. I mean, moving here, you have to start again. I think... Wait, because when you, when I started in Texas, I didn't have friends as well. But it built that community, and then bam, six years later, I had to move. So having to start again and then going to places and meeting people, telling them what you liked, what you didn't like, it felt like ah, oh, I'm exhausted. Can't you just go online and find out about right. me? I have to like introduce myself all the time. But when you find your people, I think it's worth it. Like you have to come to like hundred people to find like that one person. I know. That's what growing up does to you because they're very selective now. You know who you want because you're trying to transpose your friends to the new ones. Oh so my gosh, it's gonna be like a replacement. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I haven't found them yet. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Where are my it's gonna people? Take some time. It's gonna take some time, don't worry. But it's totally gonna be worth it. You know, they might not be like your friends you had in Texas, but you you get to know yourselves better. And you realize, oh, you too, yeah, you're crazy as well. And then you know, and, and that's it. It's worth it. You know, you go to a hundred things and then you find that one person, and then before you know it, you you start building a community. I think that my friends in Texas actually like it because I'll text them, oh, I went out with these girls. They're nothing like you. And they like, <laughs> and they're like, yes, you'll never replace us. It's only us from now on. Um, but yeah, you're right. But I mean, I've met some really nice people and really cool people and I've gone to stuff and done things that I wouldn't ordinarily do because of, yeah. I've had this mindset, like, I'm just going to go out and do something at least once a week. Or my, yeah. I had like a week of yes, where I just said yes to whenever anyone told me like, oh, let's, let's do this. But I had to cut that short because I found myself in places and I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? So I have to cut that short, but. Yeah, just keeping more of an open mind and doing things that I wouldn't necessarily go out for or do has been fun. It's been fun. And it helped me it's helping me discover the city, which has been nice. That's good. That's really, really good. Well, I wish you all the very best as you fully transition 
and also in your new role as um well not your new role anymore because you're coming up on your one year anniversary but girl power girl keep doing it and i'm super super proud of you oh thank you wait i just want to say because you were like talking about friends and you were like yeah. i'm tired of reintroducing myself and telling what i like and yeah like i felt that okay so also in moving to boston i realized that i need to be more serious about dating so i felt that yeah. when you said that i feel that about dating like if i have to talk about what my favorite food is one more time like <laughs> Higher. Like, you read my online profile. Like, go online and read about me and stop asking me the questions. Oh my gosh, I'm so over it. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? Nothing. Like, I just want to like type up all the answers and just email it to you, read that, and then let's talk about something else. Like, oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe you should do that. But usually, when people default to those questions, is maybe you feel awkward initially meeting people online. I, I've never had to do online dating, but I can't imagine. I can't. I can't even imagine how hard it is like meeting someone for the first time, and then all the awkward questions just start coming out of your mouth. Like, so what? Who's your favorite brother? <laughs> I've had. I mean. When, all of it is part part of getting to know somebody, right? Like, oh, where yeah. do you travel to? What's your favorite food? What's yeah. your favorite restaurant? Like, I understand. They're not, like, awful questions, but it's just, like, tiring having to have those same conversations over and over again. It's part yeah, of getting to know you're doing a lot, you know, between a new job and also trying to, you know, date and all of that. That's a lot. A lot of balls you're juggling right now. I know, right? I just need to drop some of them. <laughs> I think I'll just uh, quit my job and follow, no. follow up there <laughs> from the country. That sounds like... Who am I going to talk to about Tanya Trekking? <laughs> God, don't leave me. <laughs> we got we got to do this together. But you're, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Because you're going to look back one year down the lane and wow, I've come a long way. You know, But when you're in the moment, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like, ah, so many things I have to do, so many things I have to get used to. But then you you eventually find your rhythm and, and you go from there. Seriously. I look forward to that time. I do. Seriously. You're going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, really? Eh, I didn't know I was struggling with that because it doesn't seem like that anymore. Really? Anyways. Well, um, those are all my questions, by the way. So thank you for answering them. And really, thank you for, you know, talking to us about your research and especially on depression amongst, you know, college students, African-American college students. And even that um, call to action about people seeking help. And not really worrying too much about their family members. Because like you rightly said, people that love you really want the best for you. And the best for you will be probably seeking help and finding out why, you know, you're constantly feeling this way or why you're suffering from You don't have to suffer alone, basically is all we're saying. Yes. So thank you so much, Benita. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so much fun. It wasn't um, painful at all. Oh, good. Good. I think the wine really helps. You know how they say, in vino veritas, in wine truth, you know? Oh, I've heard that. <laughs> I think the wine really... The wine really helped. It kind of loosened me up a little bit. I can imagine you did that for you as well. So um, I might probably need to do this more. <laughs> did I what? Did you finish your glass? Uh, girl, since when? <laughs> you know, if, if not that we're recording this, I probably would have gone for another one. But let me just, because I need to wake up early to work. I got halfway, but I poured, like, a full glass. Like, my the point where my wine is now is probably, like, what they would pour at a restaurant. Oh really? Like a full one? I pour when I <laughs> wine at home. I pour a full, full glass. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> no wonder. I did mine was like was a like half a goblet. You know, it wasn't really that much. Oh, but it was kind of strong. Yeah, because I, I have to take the lead, right? It's okay if you're sounding one way, but people kind of know how I sound. So if I'm like slurring my speech, like, what is wrong with this one? She drinks too much. I really mean it when I say like you starting this podcast has been really like it's been real. 
like you said, it's not just for you, it's for other people. Like you have been sitting there watching you like, man, like she's out there doing it and she's tenured like me and she's trying to, you know, get all this stuff together. So like, yeah. Yeah. And it's really helped me with my time management. Like I'm very conscious of my mm. time now because Happy. the only time I have to record <laughs> is, you know, when I'm, when I'm, before I was, you know, I, I had so many stuff. I still do all of my stuff that I do, but I'm very particular about time. Like, okay, I'm supposed to record a podcast with somebody at this time. I get all of my stuff done at work. I'm very efficient. Like it's really helped me a lot. Yeah. Oh, yay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, girl. All right. Have a good night. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Alright, good night.